Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor, breathing life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page, and get this adventure started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett. And today's guest is Chris Oldegaard. And Chris is an average guy who had a white collar job in the corporate world and followed the only thing he knew for decades, conventional wisdom and conventional investments. This worked relatively well until 2009 when he experienced an illiquidity event where he lost 55% of his assets and thousands of dollars per month in cash flow. Then Chris read Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad and his mind was open to a different type of investing, investing in real assets and private deals, mostly insulated from the volatility, risk, and taxation of the stock market. It's called alternative investments. In just nine years, Chris recouped the 55% he had lost and multiplied it many times over and now shares his experience and his knowledge with you through this alternative investment blog at the prolific investor.net. Chris, welcome to the next chapter experience. Looking forward to this conversation. So let's dig in. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about how all this got started for you. We, we made a little bit of an introduction about that. You want to share a little bit more about that? I was probably like most of your listeners. I grew up in a family of employees. There was no ownership, no small business. I learned what my parents taught me, which was to go to school, get a job with Ben benefits, put your money in a 401k and we'll leave it there forever. And then someday you'll be able to retire. And that's what I did. For people who make a high income, that path can work. But for 92% of the population, that path doesn't work very well. And then, like you mentioned, it was in my mid-40s when I experienced this illiquidity event. Mine happened to be a divorce, but it could be bankruptcy or medical or whatever, where I lost 55% of my assets and thousands of dollars a month. And then a friend of mine said, hey, Chris, you should read this book. And it was Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I switched from being a conventional investor, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, to alternatives, which is everything that's not publicly traded. In just nine short years, I made all that money back, quit my corporate job. I never have to work again if I don't want to. And that never would have happened if I had stayed on what I now call the 401k highway to mediocrity. So (laughs) making a lot of people feel bad. It's uh, no fault of their own. I'm probably the only person that anybody's ever heard say the 401k sucks. You shouldn't put your money in that. I could tell you exactly why. But what's like when Galileo said the world is round, he was the first guy that ever said that. And he said he was crazy. I think he was put in jail. So when somebody says something that's completely opposite what everybody else on you is saying, you tend not to believe it. Anyway, that's the battle that the prolific investor has, trying to convince the world that there's a different way and it's a better way. That's interesting. Let me ask you a question. You mentioned that after you got the knowledge that you needed, felt confident in all of that, you determined that it was 
timely to quit your job. Can we talk about that process of the transition you made in terms of what you had to consider in order to actually activate? Do you mean to change the investing style or to quit the job? To quit the job. Yeah, to quit the job, because that's a big thing, especially if you have success in your career. I understand you are a engineer by education and by profession. That is a major decision for a lot of people. So what kinds of things did you have to consider before you made that change or that transition? It's really, it's really quite simple. I think most people approach it in the wrong way. So the conventional wisdom, how do I approach retirement is how much money do I need to have in order to retire? Because the conventional wisdom is that you're going to have this mountain of assets, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, and then you're going to sell them over your retirement because you have to somehow turn that mountain of assets that don't produce cash flow into cash flow so you can live. Well, I think there's the other way to do it, which I think is the correct way, is you have to say, how much income do I want to have in retirement? So you need to know Look, it costs me $10,000 a month just to live, to pay my bills and food and water and rent and health care. And then you go, okay, how do I replace that $10,000 a month? Where am I going to get that? And that either comes from the conventional message where you sell off portions of this portfolio and you hope that with the market volatility that you don't run out of money while you're still living. Or you acquire a different type of asset, an alternative asset, and one of the big ones is real estate, where you buy an apartment building or you're a partner in some type of real estate venture where not only does it maintain its value, it goes up in value. And at the same time, it puts cash in your bank account every month. So I don't have to cannibalize the asset and worrying about basically liquidating it over time. So the first thing is, here's my expenses. How do I replace that $10,000 a month or whatever that is? I remember reading years ago in Money Magazine, when I was a big student of the conventional wisdom, it was an article about retirement. And they they said, what are the best ways to stretch your retirement dollar? And the number one way was to move to a lower cost area. But when people typically approach this decision, they think of how do I live right here, right now without changing anything and have no flexibility? So anyway, there's a couple of options. You think about lowering your expenses, but you got to know that number and how you're going to replace it. It makes sense to me. And I'm with you on the articles or the blogs that are published, and they list all the best cities or affordable cities for a retiree to live in. And I have always had this thought, why would I be so overly concerned about that if I have enough assets? Yes. I want to live where I want to live, irrespective of whatever the tax laws are or whatever the affordability is. I just want to live where I want to live. So why not have enough assets to support that? You have, Jeanette, what's called an abundance mentality, right? You're going, I don't care how high the cost of living is or what the taxes are. I love this place. I'm going to live here. I'm just going to have enough cash flow and assets so that I can live. And that is a beautiful, I support that entirely. There's something else that comes to my mind as well. And it has to do with the integration of social security with your retirement income and the limitations that they place. This is another thing that has boggled my mind because I'm thinking, why would I be concerned with making money in my retirement or not having a business in my retirement so that I can actually keep all of what I'm getting from Social Security. I'm like, I'm just going to do what I do, make what I make, enjoy my life and keep it going on. I have not personally had that question. I know that's out there. It's, I don't want to make too much money because I don't want to pay too many taxes. And so again, we have your abundance mentality on one side, and then we have the scarcity mentality on the other side. I want to grow this pie, the asset pie and the cash flow pie as big as I can, and everything else is going to take care of itself. And frankly, taxes are the easiest way to keep more money 
in your pocket. Taxes are really easy to reduce or eliminate if you get a little bit of education and spend some time working on it. Absolutely. So do you work with individual clients? No, I am a free education platform. And, and I guess one thing that's nice I could say is I don't, other than my book, which we might mention later, I don't have anything to sell. My days of trading time for money are over. I don't do that anymore. Yeah, I love my that. Time, my time is that. my time. And, and I get, it's not infrequent that somebody says, hey, Chris, can you do this? Will you do this? You should do this. And I go, oh, that sounds like trading time for money. I don't do that anymore. I, I donate my time to people who want to pick my brain and learn a little bit up to a certain point. I, I put aside Thursdays for 30 minute free virtual coffee. So if people want to talk to me, they can. I, I don't trade my time for money anymore. I, I love taking road trip. I've got a couple of motorcycles I like to ride. I've got a red Z06. And I just want to be able to get on or get in one of those and take off for three weeks anytime. That's not going to help me with that. This is a good thing because I was talking with a friend that I've been out of touch with for quite a while and we connected and she shared with me that she was retiring early. She's in her 50s and her interest was to go into real estate. So I'd love to refer your website to her. Yeah, please do. Let's talk about your book. Yep. My book is, there's a little bit of profanity in my title. So the three letter words. Oh, that's are... right. Get off your ass. Okay. <laughs> I always have to make sure that's okay. Yeah. It's called get off your ass, a dollar sign, dollar sign and manage your money. And subtitle is why you need alternative investments. And after I had been on this nine year journey and switched from conventional to alternative investments and pulled myself out of this financial nightmare, I thought this is what a lot of people do. They go, this is awesome. Everybody should know about this. How could I help people do this? in a more efficient manner than I did, take out some of the trial and error and see if I could put it together a little blueprint. So for the open-minded people out there who want to get ahead, I'd say, get rich quicker. Let, let me write this down. So I did the book. It's been about, oh, I think coming on a year, just a year now. And yeah, I'm really proud of it. It was a fun project I'd like to write. And so that's great, Chris. Now let's talk about Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I found it quite overwhelming. Then I believe it came out with some type of educational board game. Yeah, the cash flow game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about the kind of action steps you took as you started to make that transition. For the audience, just clarify what a conventional investment is and what an alternative investment is. Everything that's publicly traded, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETF, those are conventional. And then everything that's not publicly traded is an alternative. That would be every class of real estate, cryptocurrency, private equity, private lending, cash value, life insurance, commodities, gold, silver, all those are alternatives. And if you compare, and I do this in the book, if you compare conventional investments versus alternatives, I came across 13 categories and alternatives are superior in 11 of the 13. Higher returns, less volatility. And, and then the goal at the end of the book is why didn't I know this? And why would I, now that I know that these are so superior, why wouldn't I go in that direction? Unfortunately, in the conventional world, somebody can say, okay, hey, Jeanette, you should put your money in this Target 2045 retirement fund and just leave it there. And that's all there is to it. In the alternative world, these are regulated private investments. So anybody can say, hey, I'm doing one of these things and I'll take your money. So you could find yourself hooked up with the wrong people more easily than you can in the stock market. 
So it's all about education. You know, we, we become what we think about. So you have to start hanging out with different people. You have to join groups, either in-person groups or virtual groups or both. You got to start reading different books. You got to start listening to different podcasts and start putting this stuff into your brain because most people, all they've heard their whole life, stock market 401k, that's all they know. And you've got to change what's going into your mind. And then, and that's what I do in the book is I lead people through this path and there's a checklist that they can download. And I give them ideas about how to get their education to a level where now you go, okay, I understand it. I like alternatives. I know what they are. These two or three are the ones that really match my personality, risk tolerance, and the amount of time that I want to be involved in it. So it's not an easy, there's no easy answer to that question because you really have to rewire your brain, but the benefits are fantastic. I can appreciate that. You said the key word education. You have to expand your thinking or mindset and take the time to actually get the education. That's not only in the wealth area, but in other areas like mindset, like wellness. So I can appreciate the education piece there. Now, in the alternative investment space, okay, I know that you're drawn to real estate and private investments. I want to ask you the question about gold and silver. Okay. What is your outlook? Gold, Robert Kiyosaki calls gold and silver God's money, right? It's been around forever. It's kind of like land, right? And 2,000 years ago, if you had a one ounce coin, you could buy yourself a nice pair of sandals. And here we are 2,000 years later. If you had that one ounce coin, you could buy yourself a nice suit. If you had a dollar, if the dollar existed 2,000 years ago and you still had that same dollar today, you wouldn't be able to buy a quart of milk with it. So I think there's a place in everybody's portfolio for it. And a lot of people would say the gold and silver is not necessarily about increasing your net worth on the upside. It's about limiting the downside because it's a pretty stable asset. But yeah, I own it. And it's really fun to own these nice shiny things. All right. So I'm not alone. Okay. Because I did move in that direction and began to expand my knowledge base around owning gold and silver as part of my portfolio. And I wanted to check in with you on that. So as you provide the platform for education and interact with some of the people who are wanting that knowledge, what's the opportunity? You mentioned something about setting up some time to connect with you. How much further do you want it to go? Not that much further, right? Because then it it goes over to that trading time for money territory. So I write articles and I have my virtual coffees that I do with people. The one thing that I would trade time for money, which would be really fun, is I would love to be out speaking at conferences about this stuff in front of audience. That would be a lot of fun. And I would break my trading my time for money rule because I love talking about it. What a better way to reach hundreds or thousands of people than to just reach people one at a time. So I'm working on that at a really leisurely pace. We'll see how that goes. I think the platform that we're on right now can be used to get you down that path. No doubt about it. I think you're in the right place. I guess that's the way I'm looking at it. As I continue with the message and build my brand, at some point in time, mass will occur. Absolutely. As we talk about the safety and the risk factors involved, when you do go let's just say down the private investing lane what kinds of information or vetting do you think would help an individual who was interested? Yeah, so this is where I used to have a hard time answering this question, but now I have a very specific recommendation. And so this is all about getting yourself in a group of people that are doing this. And the first thing I would say, go get my book, number one. And then I would say, join Left Field Investors at leftfieldinvestors.com. This is all about people who are pursuing passive income through alternative investments. They have the free platform 
platform, and then they have a paid platform called the Infielders. I don't get any compensation for recommending this. I'm a member, and it's so affordable. I think it costs like $100 a year to become an infielder. But what that does is that gets you access to the members forum area. So after you've done your homework on alternative, even before, but when you get to a point where you say, hey, I'm looking at investing with this group, you go into that forum and there will be a, if there isn't one, you can create one, say, what do you guys know about this group? And you'll have all the people and what their experience has been with that group. And that is the best way is you just want to get partnered up with other people have had a great experience with. Mm -hmm. And that is the best. There are checklists and books and spreadsheets about here's the 150 questions that you need to ask. I didn't go through that process. I relied recommendations from other people. And, and and the Left Field Investor Forum is probably only about two years old. So it's a great way for people to, you know, get involved. And there's monthly, there's a regular monthly call, and then there's a crypto call, and there's special calls when there are different deals going on. And it's just a way to immerse yourself in a community of like-minded people. That's fantastic. A couple of years ago, I was invited to a symposium. And at the symposium, there were several presenters. Most of them were in the real estate space and they were real estate and assets. Each group presented their portfolio. Even that expanded my knowledge. The one thing that made me hesitate was the actual annual fee to join this particular consortium. If It was very hefty and I didn't make that move. But to know that there's something out there, what you just described, leftfieldinvestors.com. <laughs> yeah, let's check that out. So we can put that in the show notes. Yeah, fieldinvestors.com, yeah. Okay, that will give our listeners a place to go just to check out. Because there's one thing, many of these groups profess to put you in a better position and profess that they have all the information and education that you need in order to make those kind of informed decisions. However, half of it is actually costing you so much money. Yeah. This is not one of those, hey, pay $10,000 or whatever. This is not a, we're going to train you thing. This is just a group of like-minded people. And of course, it takes money to run the platform. So this is just a ridiculously inexpensive expensive membership at $100 a year. I've paid many more times than that a month for things that were less valuable, but that's that's what experience teaches you. You got to go down a few dead ends. And I'm so glad that you shared that information because I know that I would be one person who would look into it. And there may be many others who are listening who were looking for a way to get the education that they need. And because there's so many talking heads out there and there's all these email lists of people are sending you information sure. and baiting you into attending a seminar only to end up with a $10,000 fee yeah. to actually begin investing, it becomes ridiculous. Yeah. I'm glad that you shared that information. Oh, I was going to say on the resources page at my website, I have recommended books, I have recommended podcasts and groups like Left Field Investor. So there's a whole bunch of stuff on the resources page at theprolificinvestor.net. I will look into that and I will also include that information in the show notes because I really want people to understand that they are in control of what happens. There's a lot of things that are happening in the world and especially especially in the United States that are affecting the good old pocketbook and bank accounts for mm -hmm. those of us who have a bank account. Yeah, and right. we need to start to expand our viewpoint on how to go about gaining control and truly managing our assets so that we have what we need or want or desire to have now and in the future. Yeah. Because it can't be all about the future. Yeah. You've got to enjoy your life today. Yeah. You, you know, to... and, and there, there's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of things going on. And I know that a lot of people are going, gosh, it's just all stacked against me. Inflation's doing this and that. Certainly the system is not perfect. Certainly there is a place 
for people to put time and effort to change the system. But the system changes very slowly. And there's an old saying, if you can't beat them, join them. This is the only playing field that we have. And I'll give you an example. I heard a guy the other day say something that was so profound. He said, inflation is a wealth killer or a wealth creator. You decide which side of the equation you want to be on. If oil prices are going up, so that really sucks when you're putting gas in your tank. Guess what's happening with oil stocks? They're going up. If you're a renter, rents are going up. If you own the building, guess what? Your income's going up. And I'm a renter right now because I'm in a new place, but I also own property. So you could sit there and say that, oh, woe is me. Everything is going in this direction. Or you could realize that you could benefit from that trend, but you got to take control of your life and change your thinking on the things that you're doing. Be on the winning side of inflation. Be the person that owns the assets that are going up in value. But yeah, yeah. Actually, knowing how to take advantage of what's going on is, I think, the thing that gets in the way for most people. But even before that, let me just say this. You share some statistics. And your statistics actually noted the shape that many people are in as it relates to their current status. Do you have those stats? They're on the homepage of my website because I don't really have to go very far to prove my point. And these are some statistics that I got from a banking rates study in 2020. 34% of Americans have zero in savings, 69 have less than 10,000 in savings, 46% have zero in retirement savings, 65% have less than 10,000 in retirement savings, and 49% are living paycheck to paycheck. And it just goes on and on. So I don't know who could look at those statistics and say the average is doing okay. I don't really think so. Yeah. And to me, when I read that, I just brought the reality home. I've known about those statistics and they're real. There's no question about that. I visited with a, a financial investment professional recently and she shared her journey of how she got to the level of success that she is at the present time and she made a note that many people that she actually consults have a really hard time with the initial I would say fundamental as it relates to money first of all their emotional relationship with money their mindset around money and the second thing that she noted was most people don't have any idea of where their money is going. They have no idea. So there begins the realization that we actually have to start at the beginning. People are working as employees, Mm -hmm. but you can still make that work. Yeah, yeah. The only money that, you know, if you're going to someday not work or someday be in a position where I say where work is a choice instead of a necessity, there's nothing wrong with working. And if you love what you're doing and you want to do it until your last breath, that's okay. But some people at some point in time are going to want to or have to stop working. And that means you have to invest for the future. And the only money that any of us has to invest is the money that exceeds our living expenses. So if we go back to that $10,000 a month thing, if you have $10,000 and your income is $20,000 a month, you've got $10,000 a month that you can save. So that 401k might work for the person that's got a $20,000 a month income and $10,000 a month expenses. But if you have $10,000 a month expenses and you only make $11,000, you've got $1,000 a month to invest. And that's not going to get you very far. So one of the principles is that everybody needs to strive to be the best 
best at whatever they're doing. So that that $11,000 a month they're making can become 12, 15, 20, whatever, because that's the money that you can invest. And then one of the reasons that alternatives are so much better is because I can go to a bank with a little bit of money and they will loan me a whole bunch of money to invest in my real estate. The banks won't do that for the stock market. Try walking into a bank and saying, hey, I've got $20,000. I'd like to borrow 80,000 to invest in Apple stock. Oh, not going to happen. But if you say, hey, I want to buy the single family resident down the street so I can collect $1,500 a month in rent, they're all over that all day long. Absolutely. Absolutely. You made a comment there about being your best and basically doing your best at whatever you're actually engaged in so that there is more value associated with what you do. Therefore, you have the opportunity to make a little bit more, but you have right. to have a mindset of doing and being your best. And then, of course, on the other side, as Tanya Taylor talks about, you have to have an understanding of your expenses, your mm-hmm. income, right. inflow and outflow, and yeah. then have some intentionality and consciousness about that. And then the second thing is to set some goals. So if you want to drive, let's just say, and I don't know why anybody would want to do this on a limited budget, say (laughs) a Mercedes or a Porsche, but you're making $2,000, stop it. You said a couple things there that were interesting. And you might know the name Jim Rohn. He was the famous businessman and speaker. And Jim Rohn said, you don't get paid for the amount of time you come to work. You get paid for the value that you bring to the job. And so he said, can you bring enough value? to a job? He's talking about like a CEO. Can you bring enough value to a job to earn a million dollars here? And Jim had the funny way of saying, of course he could. So you got to figure out how to become more valuable to your employer. And then about the car thing. So there's a time in most people's life where there's going to be this balance of abundance and scarcity. You're going to have to earn more, but you're also going to watch you know, what you spend and live within those means. And most of my adult working life, I was married and for the most part, single income and not making a whole lot of money. And my kids both went through college and didn't take on any student loans. And when people say, Chris, how did you do that? Because there were a lot of married couples that you can't make it today without both parents working. And we decided that our kids were going to be raised by us. I went back and looked at one single thing. And that is during that time. And to this day, I have never bought a new car. And the fact that I did not buy, like most people, a new car every four to five years over the 18 years where my kids were still with me in the house, guess what that did? It paid for two college educations. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm driving a car that's 20 years old in 2023. My car will be 20 years <laughs> old. Okay. And I am fine with it. It happens to be a car I enjoy driving. Yeah. But the reality yeah. is that I could be one of those people who say, oh, every three years I have to have a new car. Right. I'm not trying to be in that kind of equation. There's something called opportunity cost for that new car every three to four years. And it bought two college educations. So that's what I would have given up. That was the trade-off. That's all opportunity cost is. What's the trade-off? That's a beautiful thing right there. So you mentioned something that caught my attention. You talked about when you want to go to a bank to get a loan to buy a property. Can you walk us through your first acquisition in this real estate space? Yeah. When my daughter went off to college, I was still married at the time. And of course, she lived in the dorm. I knew that a year or two after she had been at the college and was in the dorm, she was going to move off campus. And I said to myself, I'll be damned if I'm going to pay else's mortgage up there for three years. So anyway, she went off to college. 
my marriage ended. And sure enough, at the beginning of her next year, she said, hey, dad, I want to live off campus. And so during that time, I had read Robert's book. And one day I was sitting in my post-divorce condominium and Robert Kiyosaki's organization was putting on a seminar that weekend. Oh, your car broke down. The car broke down. I was able to get a rental car and have him drop it off to me. But I did go to that. And at the end, like you, you were talking about the investing and the price tag, this was to teach you about investing. And so I bought a package of different trainings that were probably eight or 10 classes. And my son and I traveled all over the country going to these classes. Anyway, that's a long way of saying that my daughter and I bought a duplex. That was my first investment property. That's when President Obama was in office and it was the time of the first time homebuyer tax credit. So she and I were on deed, two single people on deed to this house. And since it was her first house, that meant we got a twelve dollars or $15,000 check. And so she lived in one side of the duplex and rented one of the two rooms and then rented the whole other side. She lived there for the remaining three years. And we probably had that five years after she graduated. So that was my first of the number of rental properties and other real estate type of things. And she was about 100 miles away. So she was doing the tenant screenings and things up there, some of the property management, and I was doing some of it down here. So she got an education in that as well. But yeah, that was the first one. That's amazing. I remember reading that whole scenario of when you were so pumped up about going to this seminar. And of course, you know, the thing that happens that will happen at a time like that, the car wasn't cooperating, but you found a way to get there. And that, that car, you were talking about old cars, that was a 92 Ford F-150 pickup, which is sitting in my driveway. I still have that truck. (laughs) That's amazing. Oh man, I love that story. I say, see, there it is. Now, many people would say, I guess I wasn't supposed to go because my car broke down. We'll forget about it. Yeah, no, it was nothing was going to keep me from going. That's amazing. I was on a podcast with a pastor one day and I told him I had a friend said, Chris, you should read the book. I read the book and that comes on the radio. I go to the go and the car breaks down. And he said, did you ever think there was a higher power involved here? I said, I have definitely thought about that. All these things were put in my path and I just kept saying yes to them. That is absolutely amazing. This is a question that I ask many of my guests, and I'm going to ask you because I almost can anticipate the the response (laughs) to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Probably two questions. What's next for you? I think what's next for me is hopefully that speaking thing that I was talking about. That's the one thing that I just turned 60 years old. I'm in some way slowing down a little bit. It really still gets me excited to do. I like the writing and writing a book is a lot of work. As much as there's a part of me that, that would like to write a another book. There's another part of me that goes, I don't want to spend that much time doing that, but I would love to fly or drive around the country and do some speaking and talk to a lot of people. I think that would be a lot of fun. So that's the one thing that I'm working on. Not very hard, but it's still something that I'd be willing to go do. I can see you doing it in actuality. I can see you yeah. doing it. Yeah. I can too. That's half the battle is being visualized doing that stuff. And of course, in writing the book, I've talked to a lot of authors on my podcast show and they shared with me the discipline and Involved. It's not a hard discipline or anything like that. Many of them have had five, six, seven books that they've written. I always ask that question, how much time did you invest in it? And what was that like? And they all tell me the same thing. It really is just about setting the time up 
in your day to give it whatever the time is. It could be 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And I had one one guest who shared with me, Victoria Rader. She says, you know what? If I set a time like 10 a.m. in the morning, she said, I would sit there even if nothing came out. I would <laughs> give it my 15 give it the time. minutes. She said, <laughs> right. And sometimes it went over. Sometimes I would begin writing. There was yeah. so much that wanted to come out. Yeah. 15 minutes turned into an hour and a half. She said, but yeah. no matter what, I never missed it. If I said 10 o'clock, it's the time I sit down in front of my computer. I did it whether the words came or not. Yeah, I find that even with my blog articles, I find I have trouble getting started. I've got lots of ideas, but it takes a lot of work to write concisely and take a complicated topic and make it understandable. But once I get started, I'm in it and I want to do it and I want to get finished. It's just getting started that's my hurdle sometimes. can appreciate that. As we wrap things up, let's talk a little bit more about how people can connect with you, okay? Yep, yep. The best way is just the website, theprolificinvestor.net. There's a link there to the book. It's very clear. There's a coffee cup on there if you want to schedule a virtual coffee with me on a Thursday. And all the resources, article, YouTube, social media, it's all there. So that's the one-stop shop for everything. I certainly have enjoyed our conversation. Me too. And I'm so glad that you were on my show and are willing to share the knowledge that you have. I believe your book is going to be very beneficial for getting individuals started who have an interest in this. And I don't know why anybody wouldn't have an interest in it at this point, because everybody seems to want to get ahead financially. And this would be a way to give them the foundation that they need to actually stick their nose in and see what's mm -hmm. available to them outside of the traditional you know, that most people have taken. You think about it, of all the problems that people come across in life, money affects all of them. And if you could just take money off the table, think how much easier COVID would have been you know, if people didn't have to worry about money. Once you take that off the table, I think it makes the rest of the troubles in life a lot easier to deal with. So I have a, a friend who says money is an idea. Money is energy, but you need to, to know how to create it. Mm -hmm. And many people seem to have a block about money. And most of it is the emotional and psychological relationship with money because there have been some kind of trauma in their life, but that's another yeah. conversation. So again, Chris, thank you so much for being a guest on the next chapter experience. This chapter of your life has definitely been one that puts a smile on your face and it's great <laughs> to see that. Best time of my life. And thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Chris's website is theprolificinvestor.net. And his book is Get Off Your Ass and Manage Your Money. And Chris also referenced leftfieldinvestors.com as a good resource to get you started. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations, so until then, keep that fire burning.